What's in your story bag is a podcast where I your host Rituparna help people sort their story bags not the holiday bag the laptop bag the school bag the tote the duffel or the knapsack just the invisible bag of stories you carry through your life I believe that every story must be told and shared with listeners you never know who needs it So sit back and listen you never know when a story will trigger one from you I began this season just a few weeks into the lockdown telling my story of how covid is impacting my idea of home and in this time i have spoken about the lockdown with several people yes there is a lurking fear of the unknown the uncertainty of a life held to ransom people losing their jobs or trapped in a home where there is anxiety all around and at the same time perhaps for some people gratitude for life as we know it two weeks back we heard about a young actor losing his battle with his mind succumbing to an illness that was not triggered by a virus and like the many times it has happened before the idea of mental health spread across social media is covid triggering thoughts in us how well do we really understand our own mind and the story it tells us this week i spoke to aparna sanyal a national award winner for her film a drop of sunshine on the subject of schizophrenia through the film aparna discovered a story that moved her to take up the cause of mental health with a deep sense of purpose together with reshma velyappan aparna started the red door an organization working on mental health aparna and i go back 15 years and i have immense respect for her work here is her story Aparna for coming to what's in your story bag it's been a long long time and i think for me it's a a sweet little moment to bring you back on a show where i talk stories and i talk stories with somebody like you um who's who's had such a big role to play in the storyteller that i am how does it feel to just reconnect after so long Well it feels great I was in fact uh, thinking about our association and the fact that we go back 15 years you know I mean can you believe that um and I was just thinking and I, I was just telling myself you know I need to be careful that I don't come across sounding patronizing because the ritaparna I knew 15 years ago is nothing like the ritaparna of now <laughs> you know that's like you know I need to sort of make sure that I'm not um, uh yeah uh, you know being patronizing so I, i was making these mental notes you know <laughs> and it's just been a uh, wonderful ritu uh, seeing you grow over uh, i mean i sorry i'm sounding patronizing again but um, but it's true i really feel good seeing you doing the things that you do and uh, you know this uh, amazing alternative create uh, you know career that you uh, chose for yourself and really created out of nothing out of thin air uh and uh, that really makes me feel very proud and i'm so proud that uh, you know you were a part of such an important part of my life at some point uh, it's it's been a long time i mean i think we uh, last worked together 12 years ago um 
yeah for people listening in the podcast aparna was my first boss and the first boss who sort of mothered me into the world of journalism telling me uh, teaching me lots of int- interesting things and um, all of them the one thing which i have held very closely over the years aparna i don't know whether you remember this but it, i think it was one of the first few things that we worked on and i wrote a script or i found a story and i came very excited telling you you know what i found this and i was very excited that you're going to be my bossing very well done you know that you you're ready now that kind of a thing and i remember you sitting me down and telling me that um the story is not what somebody is telling you the story is what you have to find out from them and it's in your questioning it's in your it's in your interview it's in your probing that you will find the real story which perhaps the person doesn't even know is important right and i think it was something to do with those women we used to uh, feature in one of those moments and and uh, that sort of very small thing which you don't remember but i do remember that and it's sort of stayed with me believe me i've taught that to so many other people who worked with me after you left and i came into your shoes but i think that's what has driven me as a storyteller over the years that the story rests in everyone sometimes they don't even know where and how is it meaningful and of course in journalism you tell stories from a very different perspective but as a storyteller when i work with people uh helping them gather their stories or tell them or make sense of how it has shaped them or and their work and their organizations for for that matter giving that onus of storytelling to them instead of doing it for them is what i think what i learned from you um so tell me uh you being a storyteller um you moved out of journalism so uh, and you went on to become an independent award winning filmmaker uh, what do stories mean to you and what is your quest of finding stories from people how did that happen so um i think i mean and we sort of had a conversation about this um yesterday ritu when we were talking i think um somewhere you cannot really be a storyteller unless you've started figuring out your own story you know uh, i think that is the first step uh, because um how do you even know if you're picking up the right strands uh, you know how do you, you know anyone can be a story uh, storyteller right anyone can be a writer but are you a good storyteller is the question you know uh the important thing is not just that you're telling the story it's also having the insight to pick out what perhaps uh is the story that you want to tell and is the story that will um i don't know make uh, make make interesting connections perhaps you know bring bring out interesting insights about your own life uh, if nothing else you know now how do you do that and i believe that key to that process of uh telling other stories is figuring out your own story so somewhere along the way i think that was something that was not very developed while i was working with uh news channels because there there was so much um you know of um, uh, uh a concentration on uh, you know producing stories that could be taken out to the world right and you didn't really have time to think about your own place in the world and i think um what turning entrepreneur did for me was that it really forced me to think about myself and my own story and and how i wanted to tell my story because i mean you know the magic of storytelling is that you can tell it in so many ways it could be the same life but you can figure out you know which bits to take out and then it would be a completely different story right so um so figuring out what kind of a story i want to tell about myself 
I think has been a very important part of my journey uh, say for the last 12 years or so ever since I quit um, mainstream um, news television and mainstream media uh so yeah so and, and that i think that process of figuring it out has helped me become a better storyteller professionally as well right and i think as storytellers we tell stories that resonate with us that that we agree with that we want to be part of and uh, like people ask me how do you choose your stories and i say i don't choose stories stories choose me they compel me to tell them and i think somewhere as a filmmaker you will also that's perhaps what what you even you go through when when picking up a subject to make a film on talking of subjects uh, a drop of sunshine was was one of the films which sort of turned uh, your storytelling career to be very fair and um, it has sort of shaped your life it has shaped your work as a filmmaker uh, where and how did you walk into reshma's story that's really you know that's one of those sort of magical um, journeys in a sense you know we all we all want to be touched by magic in our lives you know and i am um, essentially a great skeptic uh you know i i don't believe things easily so um if people spoke about you know magic touching them i would just dismiss it you know because i'd be like yeah whatever you know that's just nice it's a nice fairy tale you know to tell when you're a child or to tell to your own children it doesn't really happen in life and almost as though to sort of prove that wrong uh you know a drop of sunshine sort of happened uh, in a way that was really magical for me so when i began um uh the journey of making the film you know i came from a very regular perspective which was that you know mental illness happens and you know you just need professional help you know you need to sort of go out there you know that there's like science behind it and you know that's what you need i mean you need to do i mean doctors have figured it out you know that's that's that was my belief system and that's where i came from and that's what i was hoping to tell that was the story i was hoping to tell uh except that um life had other plans for me and um little by little i was almost led on to this journey where uh, every time i caught on to something you know um, there would be this little thing saying that no this this doesn't seem enough this doesn't seem like the whole story is there something more to it than meets the eye you know and by and by i realized that uh, you know the mainstream notion of mental illness uh, just had um, so many things that were wrong with it you know and and it was it was a journey of discovery which frankly shocked me at that point you know and it scared me because that was not the story i had gone out to tell you know so i was really uh, scared by what i was discovering um and um, extremely uncomfortable um and then uh, along that journey i found reshma now at some point i i thought that um you know i would i would make a certain kind of film you know i almost had it in my head but um uh, meeting reshma was really like meeting uh, you know a friend from some other world or some other lifetime because it was really like all the research that i had been doing and everything that you know the research was pointing me towards uh was all for me to meet reshma and understand her story because i found in her uh all my research and she was like a living proof of all my research all my theories everything that i'd been reading uh, and and when i'm saying research i'm talking about cutting edge research which was happening not in psychiatry interestingly but in different uh, strands of um, academics you know so the social sciences for instance you know interesting really interesting pieces of work neuroscience you know really interesting pieces of work 
a lot of psychology you know particular schools of psychology not all schools of psychology but particular school for instance the existential school of psychology or the constructivist school of psychology or um, the transpersonal school of psychology the kinds of things they were saying really resonated with what i was finding okay so and and a real sort of aha moment was this book by uh, robert whitaker uh, which uh, which is called um, uh, mad in america you know where uh, he really sort of and and he is somebody who used to be a um, a journalist himself a science journalist and you know he he his his journey was similar he had also sort of you know believed the story that was being given out about mental illness except that when he went back to research papers to find the proof for it uh, he didn't find the proof so one of the biggest things that he came up with was this whole thing of the chemical imbalance story that that is merely a theory which has never been proved so there is actually no proof that chemical Im- so you know if you have diabetes we can do a blood test and we know if you have diabetes right if you have bp problem you can do a bp test and figure out right you have blood tests for various things there is no blood test for any mental illness so it's basically what you think you're feeling versus what the doctor thinks you're feeling you know and there is no or there used to be very little uh, emphasis in those times especially now i see a lot of conversation around trauma but at that point when i was making the film there was no conversation around trauma and its effects on people and people's psyches so um so i mean now i mean eventually i mean so i found reshma and we told that story together so reshma had been given a diagnosis of schizophrenia which is you know supposed to be like the worst uh, mental illness possible like you know it's like the big daddy like if you've got so So, so doctors actually told her parents that you know it would have been better if she had cancer because you can still recover from cancer schizophrenia you know really nothing can happen and yet this uh, young uh, woman recovered and she recovered without medicines which at that point to sort of say that out loud at that point uh, was really um, really difficult it was a really difficult thing to do because um, Uh, a, a lot of people were very uncomfortable because one of the biggest problems with patients of mental illness is the lack of compliance on medicines and the constant um, story that's given out is that you have to take your medicines uh, to get better now that may be true for some people but there may be some others for whom there are other better ways but that is a conversation that is never uh, initiated ever and uh, and and reshma had done exactly that she had gone off her medicines she continues to be off her medicines and and she had figured out a, a recovery plan which now i mean if you look at it i mean it's a very very strong movement now there are enough uh, people who have recovered from schizophrenia and other you know whatever so called mental illnesses uh, and they've all crafted their own recoveries most of them you know and they speak of um, the importance of Uh, giving precedence to the person and the person's narrative so again it actually comes back to storytelling you know what is the story that you've told the patient and what is the story that the patient is telling about himself or herself and unless you change that story can recovery really ever occur so it's not about whether or not you're taking medicines for some taking medicines might be the better way for others maybe something else but the point is that you have to have that conversation you have to understand who the person is and you have to understand what trauma and what experiences they've gone through um at the red door so eventually you know reshma and i sort of set up this um, mental health initiative called the red door and at the red door we strongly believe that you are more than your label uh you know you have to uh, understand 
uh, your own experiences in the past and only then will you come to some kind of understanding of why uh, you know you you have felt the way you have and experienced the things you've had um if you're feeling low if you're feeling high there are reasons let's figure out those reasons you know nothing happens because it's just a chemical imbalance you know you feel hungry that's also a chemical imbalance if you have to look at it you know you know if you get a, i mean i mean my favorite analogy is that you know you say you get a headache every day right now you can either keep taking that um crocin every day okay so you get a headache you take the crocin but what if that headache is because you're just not drinking enough water so you have to get to the heart of it understand that your you know headache is because you're not drinking enough water you start drinking that water it's not enough to just take that crocin you know you take that crocin if you can't deal with it that's fine but don't think that you know it's happening because there's a chemical imbalance or you need that crocin you know maybe there are other uh, things that have gone on you know so so one of the things that uh, reshma keeps saying and it's something that i hear from people over and over again mental illness she keeps saying is nothing but the heart broken over and over again you know and unless you address it at that level unless you address it at the heart level how do you expect the psyche to recover you know it is a difficult journey i'm not saying it's easy uh, it is difficult but unless you know what the path is that you must walk how can you get to any meaningful destination aparna in your work uh, and knowing how thorough you are with your research uh, i can say that yes your research showed that the way we've been talking about mental illness the way we've been approaching mental illness was from a very prescriptive or rather you know uh, something which has been theorized which has not been really proven uh, there aren't enough alternative let's say remedies today i mean at, at least for anything physical we say you want to do an allopathy you want to do a homeopathy you want to do a naturopathy there are so many ways so many pathways to do but mental health has the had or had always had this one you know uh, stigma attached to it the 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 stereotypes attached to it the the ignorance attached to it and therefore in that way there perhaps only one way of addressing mental health was to either institutionalize somebody put them into some kind of a home or uh, you know give them pills which is going to either deaden them uh, and not let them perhaps uh, you know you will sort of com- control their 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 life i i am of course no mental health expert but I'm just trying to find out when you discovered Reshma's story and your research. So, what was the alternative that was sort of what was not really looked at? Uh, where and how was was that aha that moment that you said? Can you just describe it uh, for for me and for others? Yeah. So, um, what's really interesting is that when the film was made, there was very little conversation about alternatives. You know, uh, it's not like work hadn't happened. You know, there was work, but maybe because of the general stigma around mental health, because nobody spoke of mental health anyway, mental illness anyway. Uh, perhaps, I mean, because even the mainstream wasn't talked about, so perhaps the alternatives even less so. You know, uh, now what I find is that there is actually a lot of conversation around alternatives. and by psychiatrists themselves so that is really heartening because at the end of the day i feel that you know they're part of the system and you know unless they are uh, also sort of you know part of this conversation you know things can't really change so a lot of uh, psychiatrists and psychologists now believe that you know the uh, there has to be an entire package of treatment you know it cannot just be okay you go take this pill and that's it 
so there is this entire um, uh, you know emphasis on uh, a holistic approach you know now holistic approach means several things and what is really interesting is that even the who now has recognized that so they've actually come out with um, you know uh, these codes uh, you know which talk about holistic ways of treating right now in different situations and um, depending on the person etc different things come into play for instance one thing that people constantly now talk about experts constantly talk about is the importance of community you know so i find it very problematic when people say oh you're having a problem go see an expert go seek help from you know you need medical help actually the first port of call needs to be people around that person you know nobody you know if if people were living alone perhaps they wouldn't find that many emotional stresses in their lives as they do because you know most of our emotional stress comes from people around us it could be because our parents don't understand us or our children treat us badly or our partners you know are abusive towards us or they neglect us or it could be in a work situation where we feel misunderstood or you know or we're just not being treated right so a lot of the triggers of mental health problems or illness are people around us or situations around us sometimes those are situations we can control sometimes there are situations we cannot control so for instance if an earthquake happens and we lose everything we own that's that's a situation we can't control right and if you were feeling and if you feel depressed or completely um, you know uh, disheartened and defeated at that point really would you call anybody mentally ill i mean isn't it just the situation similarly right but when it's an earthquake we all sort of understand that oh it's the situation but actually even in the micro case there is always the situation and there is always the circumstance so different things have worked out in different parts of the world so in um, the scandinavian countries for instance have done a wonderful wonderful job they have gotten rid of institutions you know i think it's either sweden or denmark or norway one of these three countries where they've actually done away with institutions because they believe that the person has to learn how to um, fend for himself or herself within the community so unless the community is made a part of the solution it's not going to happen then there's this amazing uh, experiment that has happened it's called the open dialogue where uh, you know the person along with their entire family are sort of made to sit down and conversations open dialogue happens you know and you have to keep in mind that in a lot of cases you know uh, some have been through a uh, really terrible trauma you know it could be say sexual abuse you know throughout childhood you know and from somebody that you know and love and trust that's where so you know there's always this sense of dichotomy that leads to real emotional distress where on the one hand you're loving that person but on the other you also you know dislike or hate the person for what has been done to you you know so this this sort of this dissonance in what you're feeling about someone you know um so so they do this open dialogue which is again really interesting then there's something called intentional peer support which is very big in new zealand uh you know uh, where and and that's something that we uh, have really taken up in a very big way within the red door as well uh where uh, now peer support is very very interesting and it's something that's very doable in our lives which is why we've really taken that up very seriously in the red door as well um intentional peer support is basically creating your own little cushion or little bubbles of support around you so we go in uh, into all our sessions with the first this thing and uh our first sort of um, you know uh, uh sentence is that you know I, i mean and it's a very buddhist thing to say we say okay there is suffering in life 
period all right so don't be surprised if you're feeling disappointed or you know you think you failed or you know if you if you you know if you if you've lost someone you love or lost something that you really cared about uh you know if you if you're undergoing grief don't be surprised by it because i think for me the real aha moment was when i heard that line uh, which is that there is suffering in life and then so many things made sense you know because there's no human life where you haven't gone through you know some kind of disappointment or uh, you know i mean you I, I, like somebody said you know if you're living there will be ups and downs even on that machine you know if, when it's a straight line it means you're dead you know so if you're alive it has to go up and down you know so the first thing is to just accept that there will be times when you will be down and out you know so to, do not be surprised by that i think the problem is that every time something unexpected hits us we like oh there must be something wrong with me because i'm feeling so sad as the sadness is an emotion not to be felt by human so oh, i go back to that one thing that you said that was the story that people have been telling themselves so one failure and the next failure and the next failure they just they just keep telling themselves that i'm a failure story right and they never look out out of that one moment to redeem their story or to to take it to another to turn the page really it's like it's an unending paragraph of you know mis, you know miserable things happening absolutely things which are going bad and yes it's a story that you tell yourself in most situations or the stories that people have told you um and there are so many of these instances in our life that while we are parents while we are raising our children we've also been uh, in homes and families and societies where people have been kind or people have been really unkind uh, for example calling somebody something you know in 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 the family that is good for nothing child of yours oh how is that one getting better grades this one is not getting better grades so you know so all of this is becomes the story that you tell keep beginning telling yourself but i'm very intrigued aparna that from telling a story in a film to to being part of a story to actually walking into that story and wanting to be part of it as far as mental illness is concerned where and how did you decide to get into mental illness from a little different way than a filmmaker and to be a the, to be a catalyst to be somebody who's going to help people change their stories um I mean that that's that's the bit of magic that I spoke about you know I don't really have an answer to why it became so important um all I know is that you know uh Reshma just became a really important person in our life you know and I, in the beginning it was just this thing of we must get that story out and we must get all these stories out because it's just not fair that you know people are suffering because they don't know a better way of being you know and there was just this um, this con- the sense of conviction that you know if there is something that we have learned let's share it with more people you know um so you know i mean we all have so we're all looking for meaning you know so what i discovered very early in my journey with um uh, with the film and you know with the idea of mental illness and this is also where uh, you know say Viktor Frankl comes in you know his his sort of entire philosophy of life i think it's really important for people i mean we do a lot of a lot of things um professionally because that's what we need to do to earn a living right but i think it's really important to think about what gives you meaning and uh, for me i think i realized uh, fairly early that um for me it wasn't enough to just be successful in the worldly sense of being successful you know there was a disdain towards the idea of success 
not that i didn't like it you know or that i didn't want it i mean when i was younger i definitely wanted a particular kind of success but having got what i wanted i realized that it wasn't doing anything for me and that my life could not be just going from one film to another or you know getting an award or making more money i needed something more to feel like i had a sense of purpose you know and i think this entire thing gave me that sense of purpose you know i felt that uh, i was truly uh, contributing in some way to the world if i was able to get this out to more people uh, you know and 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 every time anybody came back and said thank you for sharing that it made a difference to me the kind of satisfaction and sense of contentment that i got from that i did not get from anything else so it was a completely selfish reason you know and i didn't do it for others i did it for myself i did it because it gave me a sense of meaning and purpose tell me about red door how did uh, red door in when you decided to put together an organization you called it an initiative when you were describing it so uh, what does red door do what what with what vision with what purpose did you and reshma come together to form an organization that deals with mental health and again having said that in a world where there's so many dialogue so much dialogue happening around mental health but in a very different way you have an alternative way so i would like you to talk to us about that story the red door story and what has it been able to do at point i had just finished making a drop of sunshine we just finished with you know uh, making the final cut and we'd given it in um, you know to the funder and uh, and we just wanted to do like a fun activity where people could just come and be so our our whole idea was just be because we felt you know there's too much pressure to you know do this that or the other so just a thing where people can come and be and we did that at um, you know there's there's a mall in vasant kunj i forget the name of the mall but they have this beautiful uh, space there you know which which they let out for public events so we just got that so, so we said okay in the mall we'll get people to come in and just paint so we got all the supplies and everything and we got reshma to come and conduct that session so that was our first red door session um post that you know so we would keep having these conversations you know reshma and i and we felt that uh, you know the role of creativity was very very important i think all of us have artists within us um you know some in greater proportion than others uh but there is that you know little sort of um uh, you know that little uh, germ of 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 being an artist in all of us and we were like can we uh, you know create a space where people can express themselves through art because a lot of times i think language falls short uh you know and uh, to be able to express your emotions you either do it through the body or you do it you know through you know drawing something or creating something you know so this whole thing of create something even if it doesn't do anything for your pocket you know i think that that is an important thing because we become too transactional with anything that we're doing to earn a livelihood and it's important and you know you have a child yourself and you will see how children just do things they don't care whether it's being sold or whether it's getting them a promotion so our initial thought was can we capture that lightness of feeling to just do something for the fun of it for the joy of it you know without it giving anything other than that period of joy while you were doing it you know uh and then uh, when reshma went back to pune she lives in pune she started doing this uh you know so she would just go out to the park and you know like people she didn't know from anywhere and she'd just be like okay here are the supplies you've come for a walk come and create art with me 
and it just became like this beautiful thing you know and then um so from one thing to the other i mean over the years what has also happened is that reshma has become a very important global advocate on mental health you know she has represented the red door at the, even the us you know so there are all these uh, consultations that happen with you know advocates and uh, activists across the world so she has sort of gone and you know placed on the table the case for creativity and its importance in healing um she is now uh, an ashoka fellow which is a very big deal in the nonprofit world she's an ink fellow uh, you know uh, and she has you know really gone across the world speaking about her recovery and uh, you know all of that so so all, there was all of that that was happening as well but that was i mean that was a phase where i was basically a silent partner and it was you know rage taking it out to the world in a sense uh at some point we started offering peer support online and uh, we have a, a fairly big uh, online presence within um, facebook uh and um, and and people have in the past reached out to us uh with all kinds of problems that they're facing and you know again we just use the red door approach uh to to talk to them to speak to them to reach out to them 5 years ago uh, one of them really big sort of steps within the red door happened when uh, we were invited to work and this is this happened after reshma became an ashoka fellow uh, the ashoka fellowship i mean uh, the ashoka guys foundation they have selected certain schools as being change maker schools from you know different parts of the world and one of those schools is in pune and um, the principal of that school one particular school it's called kc thakre uh, uh, kc thakre vidya niketan So the principal of that school was at a talk that Reshma gave and post the talk she went up to Resh and you know you have to understand that Resh while growing up in school was the rebel the child was sent out of class you know the child who uh, would not listen to uh, teachers uh, you know really like i mean she would be the one who was supposed to be like the no gooder you know and and then she had spoken about that at that talk so the principal went up to her and she was like you know you sound like my kids in school you know so <laughs> it's so nice to see that okay the kids can grow up and become you know somebody like you as well and uh, she came uh, a few days later with uh, one of the teachers and it's a brilliant school you know in the way in which they are involved in the lives of their students and that is exactly why they reached out to reshma uh so basically they had this huge problem on their hands which was that there was this particular batch which was giving them a lot of trouble these were kids in class 7 so so these were kids um uh, you know boys in the class essentially who were harassing their own uh, female classmates and the female teachers so the teachers would be scared to go into that classroom you know because they didn't know what they would face next so for instance i mean just a small example you know in within the classroom things keep happening right so one of the girls um, no one of the boys dropped a pencil and the pencil rolled near a girl so he was like you know just pick up that pencil and give it to me and she's like you pick it up yourself i don't want to pick up your pencil for you so he is like you pick it up otherwise i'll stuff it into your vagina okay so there were overt and covert sexual threats that were being given to the girls but they were the same age you know they were just young boys you know so so reshma was sort of called in first to uh, you know try out the red door techniques with the girls so the first uh, sort of port of call was okay can we empower the girls for them to you know fight this off better so we began to do some work with that 
but we realized very quickly that there was no point in empowering the girls we didn't speak to the boys first you know and find out why they were behaving the way they were behaving so so this was a program that really just evolved you know we had no idea what we had to do we just knew what where we wanted to take the boys but what route to take was something that we didn't know because everything that had that was in textbooks everything that the experts spoke about had already been tried and it hadn't helped you know so it was really this thing of okay what do you really do these are like matlab in uh, in uh, you know i grew up in bihar and there they say theater you know like really stubborn There's nothing that really gets across to them they think they're really cool they think they're really smart so what do you do you know punishment doesn't work for them you know you punish them they think it's like a badge of honor so what do you, do you really do and if you go to their parents and complain they just get beaten up you know because uh, these are also kids coming from a community you know so it, it's a community school so um, you know there is that demographic profile that you have to sort of keep at the back of your head so for us the big thing really was when we started working with these kids and it's a program that we now call the peaceful warriors program and um, and in fact in january this year before you know corona hit us Uh, I went and I did extensive interviews with the principal and the teachers of the school to try and figure out what worked. Why did it work? So we're like, okay, we we know we've done that for the last five years, but why did it work? You know, we need to make sense of it as well. You know, so so we've done that, and and we're now you know trying to figure out if we can create a protocol of sorts. You know, so to, to take the lessons from what we did with the boys. and you should see the boys now you know one of them now has a rap channel on youtube uh, you know and he uh, he expresses his anger uh, through that rap so i mean essentially what we figured was that the two things one was that the boys were also suffering they had themselves been through really really difficult circumstances a lot of violence a lot of abuse and they didn't know how else to respond because that was the only way that things had happened to them through abuse or through violence so they didn't know of another way of being and if they did try to be another way they were dismissed as being wimps so you know so so, so the first aha moment for us was that you know patriarchy affects not just women and girls but also young boys because there is so much pressure on them to be a particular way and there are of course and where is it coming from from older boys from men you know who are beating them up so a lot of them had faced uh, sexual violence from older boys uh, you know and there was no way in which they could express themselves right so it was all bottled up inside and there is also this entire idea of what being a man means you know this whole notion of masculinity so um, so there was that on the one hand on the other uh, there was the fact that they were all going through puberty and they just didn't know what to do with this new uh, sensation you know you know there the fact that you know who you know the girls otherwise were just girls but now they were not just girls they were also sexual beings you know and and they just didn't know what to do with that and there was nobody to tell them the only access to information was your typical older boys or porn you know which was also uh, you know extremely prejudiced so they didn't know how to deal with girls they didn't know how to deal with sexuality with what they were feeling what they were experiencing so it was just this potent lethal combination of these two um aparna tell me something about what i mean uh, with the people that you worked with whether it's young adults or adults i know right now you're working with stories trying to bring out stories of people who dealt with certain situations in their life uh 
how what kind of threat have they received or what kind of let's say uh, 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 moments have triggered mental health issues in people lives because i think that's what we need to understand that yes life is there are there are complexities there will be problems but like you said you keep falling and you keep getting up and i think a lot of people sort of surrender to that one fall or or fall after fall after fall they keep surrendering that i can never get up and walk on what have you seen kinds of things you know so i remember one particular case which which was just so difficult uh, you know it, it was a story of a girl i mean in fact she came and lived in reshma's house for a bit as well where it was just one series of terrible tragedy after the other you know unimaginable terrible tragedy one after the other you know she had been abused multiple times uh, she she had lost her parents there was nobody there was no family to speak of and then i mean the turnaround in her life really happened when she found somebody who really fell in love with her and you know so they were living together but i mean she was also given a, a diagnosis of schizophrenia at some point uh, but the guy was really in love with her and he really wanted her to get better you know um so 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 i'm talking about trauma of that kind right so one after the other really difficult things um the second uh, is this whole idea of bullying you know i have seen that bullying uh, which has been which has sustained over a period of time you know it's not that one odd incident of bullying but bullying over a you know prolonged period of time uh through different people sometimes it's it's also you know the same set of people really making a target of that person and getting after that person you know um and and this despite it has affected them despite the presence of a very supportive family so it wasn't as though they didn't have a supportive family and yet it really made a difference you know and um and and led to uh, you know so so this this person i'm talking about was somebody who was very good uh, academically but post that you know sustained sort of uh, period of bullying her grades began to fall then you know teachers began to say hey what's wrong with you you know what's going on um eventually i mean she got i mean now she believes that she got the wrong diagnosis which is again a very very common problem she was taken you know so like they say oh watch out there's something wrong so you go get mental help Uh, uh, get help right medical help so she went to get uh, medical help and she was a very good conscientious person so whatever the psychiatrist told her she did everything she was given a diagnosis of bipolar now she feels i mean she's now in her 30 so this happened like some 10 12 years ago now she feels that she probably never had bipolar to begin with she was just going through very bad anxiety you know but she has now been on bipolar medicines for the last 12 years which have created their own problems by the way because you know now she can't um uh, so, so there's this whole problem of narcolepsy because she's had medicines for so long there are periods she has to take a special medicine to stay awake because otherwise she just falls asleep um, okay so we we did this um, session in catharsis i mean i'll talk about catharsis later but uh, you know we did a session where we got people to come and talk if they had contemplated um you know dying by suicide at some point in their lives and um, they had either attempted and failed or they had been talked out of it you know so we thought it was really important to understand that point of view because i think the problem also with the idea of suicide and and with the idea of death in our society is that we're so afraid of talking about death that it's almost impossible to have a reasonable conversation around it you know um so it was really interesting to hear so and so the person i'm talking about is also somebody who tried to kill herself 
a few times you know uh, at this point she's in a really good place touchwood and um, and it's amazing how she's turned her life around you know and it's basically been uh, well okay so it, it's been many things as always it, it is never one thing but i think somewhere uh, you know i don't want to give the entire credit at all but i think somewhere the conversations with the red door have helped because of the space that we come from you know uh, which is completely non judgmental so even if somebody comes and says that okay i don't think there's any value in my continuing with life we will not say oh my god you need medical help go get a medicine you know we say okay why do you think that you know let's have a conversation about it you know maybe you're right yeah maybe there really is nothing worth living for but maybe you're not right i mean let's just have a conversation we can have a conversation can't we so um so yeah so those are the so then there's a, another person again a really uh, really inspiring person somebody who a lot of people really look up to and there was a period when every second day he would message us and say i want to commit suicide i want to die right now you know i i can't go on any further and um, it was really interesting because you know when we began the work we didn't know how to deal with it because there are no filters right you don't you don't do you don't um, uh, you don't schedule a session with us you can really literally reach out to us at any point you know so people just send us a message you know so at some point we figured that we were burning out because we were responding to people at odd hours of the day or night so then we said okay so no so so what we do is peer counseling now um so the idea is peer support which is not uh, which is not peer group in the way that peer groups are it's it's a very interesting concept um which was sort of put down by uh, this group in new zealand uh which is which is intentional peer support which means that you are intentionally building a relationship with another person where you take care of that person when that person goes down and that person takes care of you when you are down in the dumps and we recommend having three to four different peer supporters in your life you know because different people respond to different things in your life you know and and you can uh, freely talk about different things to different people you can't talk about everything to everyone that one person you know and there's also this thing of emotional burnout you know everybody is we believe everybody is struggling you know there's nobody who has a perfect life so you need to be mindful of that so within the red door for instance at some point we said okay listen don't kill yourself but we can't speak to you right now because you know we have whatever child to go back to or you know work right now so you hang in there you don't don't you dare kill yourself but we'll come back and we'll speak to you and people waited you know so sometimes i feel it's just about someone knowing that there is somebody there for you you know a lot of people just want their story to be acknowledged yeah. that look here i'm dealing with this and please hear me out and even if you can't don't i don't want a solution not yeah. that everybody wants a solution because there is no solution perhaps or maybe the solution is inside them and they just want somebody to hear it out and say go ahead try it right i think that's what the most important thing i mean uh, aparna the, the fact that we are now living through very unprecedented times uh, a situation like in the middle of a pandemic we have covid happening there are businesses which are shutting down there are people who have to live in homes homes are not necessarily a happy place for a lot of people uh, it could be a source of uh, a stress it could be a source of trauma uh, at the same time not having 
and outside world to run out to you know where you are faceless and therefore you can sort of hide amongst a, a you know a, a crowd all of that coming in you know what do you think how is covid impacting people's idea of mental health or their mental health at this point of time so oh, that's a really interesting uh, question you know and it's something that we've been thinking about as well i think um, the great thing about covid is that it's making people realize that any one of us can be vulnerable you know um i think i mean personally i feel that uh, sanity is a thin line and it can be crossed any time by anyone it really just depends on the circumstances that you're facing so i think that this entire covid experience has made that a little more real for a lot of people you know um within the red door i think what we've been uh, talking about i mean of course people react to it in different ways but you know we joke that you know this kind of a situation is what we've been preparing for all our lives <laughs> you know so we're like yeah okay we're like yeah okay bring it on it's all right <laughs> no problem here you know uh, we're ready yeah <laughs> you know um but yes i think um i'm hoping that I think it really helps to go through the dumps. I think it makes you a better human being, you know. And I really hope that when people come out of this, if we ever come out of it, perhaps people will be a little more empathetic towards somebody else who's going through a difficult time. Uh because perhaps they'll realize that life can be uncertain for everyone, you know. And if you've not have had trouble, you've just been very lucky. and it doesn't mean that you won't have trouble in the future you know so if anything i'm hoping that it will make people realize that they need to think about um how to strengthen themselves when disaster strikes or you know when the bad times come in um you know because i think this has made it really real for a lot of people because otherwise we we live in this little you know bubble of illusion thinking that oh everything is right for us and nothing can go wrong and suddenly now you know that bubble has been popped So I'm hoping that people will be a bit more empathetic and compassionate. I'm not putting my money on it though because <laughs> because I think essentially <laughs> we also like to pretend like everything is fine and then go on to life as usual. One last question to you, Aparna, is how can Red Door help with people at this moment, uh, the ones who are facing or rather dealing with any mental health issues or anxiety? Um, through this podcast, uh, I would like to tell them that you know maybe they can get in touch with you. How can Red Door help them? Again, I, I go back to a COVID uh, analogy. You know, in the beginning, when people uh, were diagnosed with COVID. uh everybody was carted off to a hospital right uh, and everybody was kept in the hospital whether or not they needed to be there and now as the cases are beginning to uh, you know really increase now they're like okay 80% of the people will be asymptomatic they won't even need any medical support or help and uh, you know so let's resolve our medical infrastructure for the 20% who really need our help right so i think i think it's something similar with mental health uh we will all go through uh, dark days we will all go through trouble the solution is not to say okay go seek medical help but because frankly we will never have the number of psychologists and psychiatrists we need to take care of everybody it's impossible it cannot happen so i think what is far more uh, important and useful is to help people empower themselves 
and um, we constantly go back to the idea of um, of peer support with that you know so our constant thing i mean that's that's how we take care of ourselves so to build a little circle of uh, this little bubble of support around us uh, who will be our first port of call and it's not just one person it's it's a it's a few people uh, and you have to make that decision you know you have to create that that relationship but how do you build a relationship of equality because at the end of the day you are not helping that person and that person is not helping you you are helping yourself that is very very that is sort of central to this thought so nobody is doing anybody else a favor um so what we are doing now because we said you know we really need to get this idea out because our entire uh, sort of um, emphasis is on building yourself how do you make yourself stronger you know that is our entire this thing how do you um figure out a way to make yourself feel better to make sense of what's happening to you to make peace with what's happening to you you know um and so so we've developed this uh, workshop and um, you know in fact we're also in the process of you know figuring out if we can turn it into a course of some sort um and and it only looks at ideas of building yourself of empowering yourself and these are free workshops you know so um so that's that's one way in which uh, people can reach out to us so the next time there is a workshop you know you can come join i think it's wonderful work that you're doing at red door and uh, personally uh, parna i would love to work with you um, in any capacity as a volunteer as a storyteller as as anyone who can support uh, uh, your initiative because i believe totally in what you're doing because we are trapped in our stories we only want somebody to listen to them and tell us that yes i i heard you i i understand why you are here so let's try and get out of this you know instead of being consumed and surrendering to our stories uh great work i really enjoyed talking to you and i think i think uh, you know the idea of mental health is so critical in our lives that we can't run away from it but we need to embrace it that yes it's like with any other illness it's with any other situation today you have a headache you need to deal with it uh and understand why you're getting it so similarly like you said with mental health did you enjoy talking Talking. Oh, absolutely! I really enjoyed because, uh, again, as a as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, I'm more used to listening to others. <laughs> so <laughs> it was nice to have someone listen to me. <laughs> Being on the other side, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This week too we bring to you an exclusive video an extension of our podcast on our Instagram handle tune in to listen to Aparna and watch the subject of her film a drop of sunshine she also shares deep insights into what she thinks about adversity quotient and why we could all do with some at all times with or without covid Our COVID-19 stories is an attempt to document the positive stories that are around us. It is an attempt to make sense of the story that we are living now. You, me, and everyone on this planet. It is an attempt to live in the moment, to look at life with optimism, to work on our relationships and find happiness in simple joys. Because this is the story that we are living now. We are trapped in a narrative. It's up to us to become the heroes or the victims in the story of our lives. 
So join me as I go along extracting stories around ideas of family, heart, relationships, home, work, desires, dreams and life that unites us all. If you have a story to tell, drop in a line at contact at yourstorybag.com. You can connect with me and your story bag on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. So until the next story, happy storytelling.